Welcome to the Seeking Pearls podcast. My name is Rebecca Meidinger. We are in week three today on a new series we're doing called Do You See This Woman? And in the Do You See This Woman series, we are looking at various women throughout the pages of scripture, both in the Old and the New Testament, and looking at specifically their encounters with God and seeing what we can learn about the women, what we can learn about the Savior, and what we can learn about ourselves through these encounters. Many of these women have been women that I have been uh, growing like more and more affectionate of over the years, just like kind of growing in friendship with them, even though I don't know them personally, but I admire them so much. I love them. I have so many questions for them when I get to heaven. And today's woman that we're looking at is no exception at all. I love her so much. Today, we're going to look at the woman in John chapter four, the woman at the well. Now, I know that the woman at the well has been talked about a lot, and you've probably heard lots and lots of devotions or sermons or teachings on the woman at the well, but that's because she's so wonderful. And even more importantly, not not only is she so wonderful, but through her story, we learn wonderful things about Jesus, and we see a wonderful side of Jesus. I mean, every side of Jesus is wonderful, but we just see so much of his character and his um, affirmation of women in this account and his love for this dear woman. Um, He's just so wonderful. And so let's look at the woman and let's see what we can learn about ourselves in this. And let's also see what we can learn about our Jesus through this story of the woman at the well. So uh, when we learn about the women at the well, woman at the well, we are going to start in John chapter four. That is where we meet her. So I'm going to, I'm going to read her, her, the length of her account is pretty long. Uh, She really is from verses one through 42. And so I'm going to read possibly the whole thing. But as I read, we will stop and talk about what we're learning as we go. So in John chapter 4, it says, Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, although in fact it was not Jesus who baptized but his disciples. So he left Judea and he went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. All right, well this part is really interesting already because so Jesus is in Judea down in the southern part of Israel where Jerusalem is. And it says that he's going to leave Judea and go back up into the northern part, into Galilee. And it says that he had to go through Samaria. Now, what's interesting is that, yes, Samaria does lie in between Judea and Galilee. But most Jews totally avoided going through Samaria uh, because the Jews hated the Samaritans because the Samaritans were like half Jewish and mixed in with other races, uh, it was a racism issue. The Jews avoided Samaria. And so most Jews who were going from Judea to to Galilee, which was north of Judea. So like when you look at Israel, it would go like Judea in the south and then Samaria in the middle and then Galilee in the north. And most Jews would cross on the east side 
uh, if they were in Judea, they would cross to the east, cross the Jordan River, and go up through um, on the eastern side of the Jordan, go up through Damascus, and then when they get far enough north to cross the Jordan River again to go straight into Galilee so that they would avoid going through Samaria. Now, what's so wonderful here is it said that Jesus had to go through Samaria. (laughs) Well, why did he have to go through Samaria? Well, I believe because he had an appointment with a woman who was going to be at the well. He had a divine appointment, and so he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sakar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into food, sorry, had gone into town to buy food. So we've been looking at the questions that Jesus asks. Last week, we looked at God in the garden with Eve and, and Adam, and God was so gracious when Adam and Eve had sinned and were hiding, God looked at them or looked for them and said, where are you? what have you done? And like gave them an opportunity to respond and to be honest. And then the week before that, when we looked at um, Jesus having his feet anointed by the sinful woman in Luke chapter 7, uh, we looked specifically at the question Jesus asked to Simon when he asked Simon, do you see this woman? I love looking at the questions that Jesus asks. And here he asks a very simple question, uh, but it's more profound, I think, than we realize. He asked this woman, will you give me a drink? The reason this is so profound is because Jesus, as a Jewish man, is not supposed to talk to the Samaritan woman. In that cultural, first of all, there's the race issue. He's a Jew, and the Jews did not associate with the Samaritans, which, in fact, it's going to be in the text in verse 9, like that exact statement that Jews do not associate with the Samaritans. And then secondly, he's a man talking to a woman. And as far as we know, they're the only two at this well. So it's not culturally appropriate for Jesus to be talking to this woman. I love that Jesus doesn't seem to care (laughs) what is culturally appropriate. He wants to have a conversation with this woman. He knows this woman. He knows her story. He loves this woman. And he wants to restore this woman. And so he asks her, will you give me a drink? Now it says in verse nine, it says, the woman said to him, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan. How can you ask me for a drink? Okay, do you not love this woman? (laughs) I love her already because she's like, wait, are you talking to me? How are you talking to me? You're not allowed to talk to me. (laughs) Why are you talking to me? There's a Jewish word called chutzpah. It is C-H-U-T-Z-P-A-H. So even though it's a C-H in the front of it, it's pronounced chutzpah. And it means like nearly arrogant um, self-confidence or audacity, like audacity to the point that you think they're almost arrogant, but they're not. They're just like so courageous and self-confident and bold that they do things that are completely out of the norm. And this woman has chutzpah. She's like, 
why are you talking to me? Why are you asking me for a drink? Of course, she knows. She doesn't know that she's talking to Jesus. In verse 10, Jesus answers her, If you knew the truth, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Verse 11, Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank it from him, drank from it himself as did his sons and livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give will never thirst. Indeed, or the, indeed, the water I give will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming back here to draw water. <laughs> Don't you love this? The woman is like so excited. She's like, I want this water. I want the water that you say that you can give me because I don't like coming here and drawing water from the well. This woman probably had a lot to do. We're going to find out in just a moment that she has been married multiple times. She she probably has children. Also, it's noon and <clears throat> this woman probably doesn't have time to go to the well at noon if she has children to feed. Uh, children to put down for naps, babies to nurse. I mean, we we don't know. We don't know her her uh, exactly what she if she's a mom or if she uh, if her children are grown up. If I mean, she could be a grandma, she's had five husbands. We d- we just don't really know. But she's probably really busy, and she doesn't have time to go to the well. Also, carrying buckets of water from the well is really really heavy. But also. There's another reason she doesn't want to go to the well, and we're giving a clue by that because it's noon and she's at the well. Women didn't go to the well at noon. Women still today around the world, women who are going to draw water from a well outside of their community are doing it early in the mornings while it's cooler and in the evenings while it's cooler and before the full day of work that they have you know, during their midday. So going to the water at noon is a very unusual time to go to the, to go to the well. And this woman, it appears, has some sort of a history, some sort of a reputation that is possibly a, a source of gossip and rumors and conversation amongst all the other women at the well. And perhaps this woman feels like she's unwanted there, feels like they talk about her, they know her reputation. Maybe she feels like they stare at her when she goes to the well. Um, Maybe because of the broken relationships that we're going to find out that she has had. Maybe she has um, ruined relationships with other women in the community as well as with those connections. So we're not exactly sure what her situation is, but we know that she doesn't like going to the well. And she's like, please give me the living water so I don't have to keep coming back here. Now, this is really amazing because Jesus goes right into like his main point. I love that Jesus does not make any small talk. I cannot stand small talk. I don't know how to have small talk. I like to just get straight to the point and not beat around the bush. I'm a pretty straightforward person. And so so is Jesus. And I just love this about him because he goes straight for the main point. Jesus wants to heal this woman's heart. That is his goal all the time, 
all the time. Jesus always wants to heal our hearts. He wants to heal this woman's heart. So he goes straight for the main point. In verse 16, Jesus says to her, go, call your husband and come back here. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands and the man you have now is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. All right. There's a lot of talk about this dear, lovely woman and her five husbands. And oftentimes it has said that it is, it is said that she has had five divorces and that she has so much baggage and a reputation holding her back from the well at dawn and at dusk because of these five divorces. Now, there's nothing in here that actually tells us she has five divorces. It says she has had five husbands, and now she has a man who is not her husband. So perhaps it seems that Jesus is implying that they are living together, but they're not married. If she has had five husbands... I suspect that she has not been divorced five times, although that's possible. I suspect that what she has been through is a combination of losing husbands to death and divorce. So perhaps she has lost all five of her husbands to death. Perhaps she has been widowed five times. Just let that sink in for a moment. What if, what if this woman has lost five husbands to illness and accidents that have caused death? What if she has gone through the pain and trauma of burying five husbands, some of whom probably would have been the fathers of children that she had? And bury not only a husband, but the father of your kids. Maybe once, twice, three, four, five times. Unbelievable. Like trauma beyond what I can fathom. Now, what I think is the most common possibility or, or likely possibility is that her five husbands have been because a, of a combination of some divorce and some death. So five times, I would I would assume she has lost a husband either because he has died or because he has divorced her. And in their culture, she had no rights when it came to divorce. If a husband wanted to divorce her, he could for whatever reason. She could not divorce him, but he could divorce her for whatever reason he wanted, or for no reason at all, just like let her go, stop providing for her, move out on her, get another wife. He could just cancel the marriage. And so just like total rejection, total rejection and humiliation because he doesn't need a reason. And he can also advertise the reason whatever he wants. He can make up a reason. So she had she had no legal rights to, to say anything, to fight back, to stand up for herself in any way whatsoever. So the trauma of this poor dear woman is really beyond imagining, really beyond imagining. 
And then it's very possible because she has had five husbands, it's very possible that she had not been able to acquire a means of income for herself. And so now to 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 have an income, whether she does have children or if she is aging and beyond the the case of having children, or if she never did have children and doesn't have adult children that can take care of her, for whatever reason now, she is apparently living with a man that she's not married to. And Jesus knows all of this, but here's what is really amazing about Jesus, something we see about the Savior right here, is that he loves this woman, and he wants to heal her heart. And he knows that this situation about the five husbands has resulted in a great deal of trauma and a great deal of rejection and pain and reputation. And he wants to heal this situation in her heart so that he can show her how greatly she is loved. And when he talks to her about her husbands, it's clear to me that he's talking to her in a voice full of love and grace and compassion. Because if he was coming down hard on her, and if he was doing it in accusatory in an accusatory fashion, I don't think she would stay there and keep talking. But she does. She stays there and she keeps on talking to him. So the way that Jesus says all this must be full of compassion, full of love, like inviting her, not just like, hey, you've had five husbands, but more like, you have had five husbands. Do you want to talk about that? Do you want to tell me about that? Do you want to tell me about the hurt and the pain you've been through? Because I'm here to listen. I think that's the way in which he did it. So the woman, after Jesus, you know, points out some personal stuff about her life to her, she's catching on. Remember, she has chutzpah, she's wise, she's fiery. And she says, Sir, I can see that you're a prophet. Our ancestors worship on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, the Jesus, re- Jesus replied, Believe me, a time is coming where you will, you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. Now, I think this is really cool because, first of all, Jesus you know, they have this little dialogue about, well, the Samaritans worship here and the Jews worship here. But Jesus really breaks down all of the racism barriers here when he says a time is coming when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. He is saying that it doesn't matter if you're Jew or Gentile, uh, if you're man or woman, that does not matter. True worshipers are going to worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And he just breaks down all the racism barriers between this woman and him, and lets her know, look, everybody's in. Everybody is in. The kingdom of God is all inclusive. Everybody's in. Um, The true worshipers are those who worship in the Holy Spirit. That's it. (laughs) Jew, Gentile, male, female, doesn't matter. Now, the woman is catching on uh, to, to who Jesus is. Like She's starting to track, and I love that about her. I love that about her, 
that she is starting to track and figure out who Jesus is before almost anybody else was catching on. Like she has a short conversation with him and she is catching on so quickly. It's chutzpah. It's this unbelievable confidence that she has, that she is catching on. So she like tests him. In verse 25, the woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. Like she's totally testing him. (laughs) I know Messiah is coming. Hmm. And then Jesus just like doesn't beat around the bush. Again, just totally straightforward. Verse 26, then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, am he. He just lays it down. It's me. I'm the Messiah, which she was already totally guessing, which is why Jesus, you know, just laid it out there. He knew that she was catching on already. Now, at this exact time, the disciples who had gone to buy food come back. So in verse 27, it says, just then his disciples returned and they were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one dared ask, what do you want or why are you talking with her? Okay, (laughs) I just love this. This is so funny to me. Uh, We're only on chapter four of John. Uh, So we're we're pretty new into Jesus's ministry. But (laughs) his disciples must be so used to Jesus breaking the cultural norm that they didn't even ask. So here we have Jesus. And again, he's doing what is culturally not appropriate. He is talking to a woman, not only a woman, but a Samaritan woman. And his disciples come up and it says they're surprised. Like, oh my goodness, Jesus is talking to a woman. He's not supposed to do that. But they don't ask him. No one asked, why are you doing that? Because they know Jesus doesn't follow the rules. (laughs) Jesus doesn't follow the boundaries of culture. Jesus does what Jesus does. (laughs) In verse 28, then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and she said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? Now, this is really beautiful because it gives us some insight that there's more to the conversation, probably around the area when Jesus talks to her about her five husbands, there must be more to the conversation than what is recorded. And so she goes back and she says, this man told me everything I ever did. Now, I don't, I'm going to make some assumptions here because we don't know. I don't want to add too much to the story because it's it's not in the text. So, but here's what's interesting to me. If the woman, in fact, was avoiding the well at dawn and dusk because of reputation, because of the things that are gossiped about, because of pain and drama, trauma and drama <laughs> uh, around the water well, then what's interesting is all those things she ever did Uh, that she says, come see a man who told me everything I ever did, then those things that she has done are probably what everybody gossips about around the water well. And that would be like the reason she doesn't go to the well at dawn and at dusk, that she goes at noon. And so she's basically telling them, look, you know, all that stuff that you guys gossip about when you guys go to the well, (laughs) I met a man at the well and he knows all of it. (laughs) He knows everything. He's the Messiah. And she says, could he be the Messiah? 
And it, and it says that they came out of town and they made their way toward him. Now that is astounding too, because if this woman is, <laughs> uh, an analogy just came to me that I think is kind of funny. If you've seen Moana, <laughs> uh, there's this one part in Moana when uh, the grandma is like dancing down on the beach and Moana goes down to her and and starts dancing with her and and the grandma is like, I'm the village crazy lady. <laughs> and um, I just think that this woman at the well might kind of be like that. You know, she might have the reputation of being that woman in the village. She might be known as like the village crazy lady, um, but not crazy. Just a woman with intense trauma and heartache and heartbreak. And she doesn't fit in. She doesn't go to the well with all the other women. And yet, look at verse 30. If you're looking in your text, when she tells them, I met this man at the well, could he be the Messiah? It says they came out of the town and they made their way toward him. They follow her. So even if she's the one that they think is a little bit off, they still follow her to the well. They're like, yeah, we want to see. We want to see. He told you everything you've ever done. Whoa, (laughs) let's go see. Let's go see. In verse 31, it says, Meanwhile, so while this woman is down in her village, meanwhile, his disciples urged Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. (laughs) And then his disciples said to each other, Could someone have brought him food? (laughs) Don't you just love Jesus? I love Jesus. I love Jesus. He is so wonderful and so profound and so unbelievable and breathtaking. And uh, he says, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. And his disciples are so confused. Who brought him food? (laughs) And then Jesus goes on to tell them what his food is. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying say, a saying that it's still four months until harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now, the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus, the saying is true. One sows and another reaps is true. I sent you to reap for what you haven't worked for. Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. Now, what's interesting is, okay, so this well is a little way, a little ways out of the town, and the woman left, she actually, she left her water jar there, and she ran back to the town and told all the people to, to come, and they're coming. So many, many people from this village I don't know how big the village is, but many people are coming towards the well. And as they're coming towards the well, like picture just like a dirt road out on um, a rugged prairie. uh, And these people are coming toward the well. And Jesus and his disciples are sitting at the well. And Jesus says, look up, look up. The fields are white for the harvest. So... The people are coming and Jesus tells them, look up. And they might be thinking, uh, this is not where we're supposed to do work. We're in Samaria. Jews do not associate with Samaritans, Jesus. Even though Jesus is sitting there 
associating with the Samaritan woman, these disciples know we're not supposed to. Jews don't associate with Samaritans. And yet Jesus says to them, look up, (laughs) that is your crop. Other people have worked hard for this. Who has worked hard in this situation? The woman. The woman. Jesus says to his disciples, I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work. The woman did the hard work. She is the one who went back to her village, shared her testimony about how I met a man. I think he's the savior of the world. Come and meet him. He told me everything about myself. I want you to meet him too. That's hard work work to go into your village and even if they already think you're crazy or think you have a reputation or think that you are um, just like stuck in your trauma and you can't move on or think badly of you because you're doing this that or the other thing and you should be doing something different with your life to go straight to them and risk something that makes you look even crazier I was at the well, and I met a man, and I think he's this Messiah. (laughs) But she did. She did the hard work. She did the hard work. And Jesus is telling his disciples, the harvest is ready. Now you need to help harvest this. Even though you haven't done the hard work yet, now I want you to reap and be part of bringing these people into the kingdom of God. Verse 39 says, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in Jesus because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed for two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. And they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know, we know that this man really is the savior of the world. We know that this man really is the savior of the world. Can you believe that? This dear, broken woman whose life was full of trauma, but her heart was full of chutzpah, this woman is the first evangelist in the New Testament, in the gospel accounts. She is the first one to go to an entire new people group, the, the people of, of Sakar in Samaria, and to tell them, hey, I met the Messiah, come and see him. A brand new people group. And her entire village came to believe that Jesus was the savior of the world. Because of of her chutzpah, because she was bold, because she didn't let reputation hold her back. She didn't let devastation hold her back. She didn't let sadness, depression hold her back. She didn't let whatever rut she had fallen into, she she didn't let it hold her back from when she met Jesus She knew he is the savior of the world and other people have to know. They have to know. I don't care what these other people think of me. I don't think, I don't care what they say about me. I don't even care how they have hurt me in the past. I just want them to know that this guy is the savior of the world. They have to know. They have to know. 
And so this woman did the hard work of taking the message to them and bringing them to Jesus. She did the hard work. I want to do the hard work too. I want to do the hard work too. I want to do the hard work of bringing people to Jesus, of being vulnerable with people, of being honest with people, of letting all the walls come crashing down, of not getting race or gender or political status or uh, like monetary economic status, not letting any of those things get in the way and not letting any of that build walls between us. I just want to bring people to Jesus. And it's the reason it's hard work is because it it uh, it requires our hearts to be emptied of ourselves. That's why it's hard work. Because it requires us to just lay ourselves down, not worry about all of the things that people are thinking and just be open and honest and loving and gracious and admit our our faults <laughs> that part of it is really hard too like this woman she was like hey he told me everything i ever did a lot of the stuff i did is bad you know it you talk about it <laughs> so she just like was able to admit her faults that's hard work But in doing that, her entire village came to believe that Jesus is the Savior of the world. I want to be like this woman. Amen and amen. Have an awesome day.